Do you have to be at work at four? No, but it's my second job. Um, fishing? Oh my god, that's not a second job. You're a piece of shit. That's your... <laughs> that's just your hobby. <laughs> Plus, think about all those poor fish that are like being dragged out of the water as you're pulling them up, and they're like, ah, oh, such a beautiful day. Oh god! Oh god! What the fuck is happening? I can't breathe! Does that make yeah. it better? <laughs> But they, but they can't breathe. And then you throw them back in and they're like, oh, and God, that was breathe. fucking weird. <laughs> but they can, they can go home and tell Jimmy and Ryan, like, yo, I got abducted. Like, that's their alien abduction story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, I put uh, I put them back. If it's trout, I would probably keep trout. But it's just bass. That's what I fish for, and they go back. Would you Would you keep them to raise? What? Would you keep them like to raise, or would you keep them? Oh to no, eat? they would die. Oh okay. Yeah, <laughs> smoked trout. You have never had good fish if you have not had smoked trout. Uh, listen, man. There's no such thing as good fish. What? Um, fish is disgusting. No, I'm serious. I I don't fuck with seafood at all. At all. No shrimp, no lobster, no crab legs? Actually, okay, hang on. So I do occasionally order salmon, like, but it is <laughs> every time that I uh that I go out and I think about ordering seafood, I remember that um it's disgusting. What? But uh, occasionally I'll get salmon. I do like tuna, actually. Tuna I'll put on salads. I think that is pretty good. That's my southern upbringing or what have you. Gave you tuna? Uh, yeah, dude. Stop. Are you are you shitting me? No, hey, no. I like tuna, but when you say my southern upbringing gave it to me, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you went out and caught some, you know, some trout or something. Like, that's the southern upbringing. Oh, no. No, you mm -hmm. went to the store and walked down. Yeah, I went to the store and I bought Starkist. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> Uh, I also, I, I also genuinely like scallops. I think scallops are pretty good. So you do like seafood. You just don't like the. the I like, fish. I like very, very specific seafood and I do not like to eat it all the time. I know motherfuckers like when we go to the beach and they'll just sit there and be like, yeah, let's go to this place. I'm like, but they only serve fish. And they're like, oh yeah, what's wrong with that? Like, <laughs> nah, bro. See, I don't, I can't fuck with crab legs, man. It's way too much work. Oh my god, Skyrim's too expansive. There's too much to do. <laughs> have too much fucking work to put into them. Jesus. Yeah, get out of here, Dylan. You and your damn seafood. I just said I'm going fishing. Hunting Pixels, the official video game podcast of Culture Bop and the Culture Bop family of entertainment. I am your host, the Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined today by none other than Austin, 10 out of 10 Stevens. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Uh, where did the 10 out of 10 come from? I saw that now. I was like, 
Uh, well, it's uh, it's uh, thematic. Uh, Are you saying I'm a ten out of ten? Because that's really sweet. Uh, mm, not quite. My wife doesn't not... even tell me that, G. <laughs> well, uh, I, that's boy. That's that's something. <laughs> He's like, you know, I don't really think this. Uh, I don't really think this fight is my place. So. We're uh, we're gonna uh, have to have a little talk about this after after the podcast is recorded with uh, HR. Um, <laughs> Turns off the podcast. Goes into full therapy session. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, 10 out of 10 is thematic. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. 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 Um, Dylan, we're also here with you today. Uh, I, I fucked your intro all up. It's Dylan, final thoughts, Martin, boy, I'm, I'm really, really shoe in for host of the year right now. I'm just going to let you keep talking. Honestly, you're doing great, dude. Boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, um, but when I was listening back while editing the uh, the pilot episode, if you will, uh, my voice was really unnecessarily deep, and I I genuinely don't know why because my voice isn't normally as deep as you it was in that episode. Tired that night, I know you were. <laughs> that might be what. It oh, was. absolutely! I went back and listened to it, and like. I was listening to it in the car with Madison. She was like, who the fuck is talking? I was like, oh, that's Josh. And she was like, what? Did he yeah. take like Did he take like 10 levels of testosterone to get that fucking deep? Like, I don't understand. Dude, it didn't sound like me almost at all. No, it, it didn't. Weird. It really didn't. It was, it was kind of kind of scary, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited terrified. For, uh, for my true voice to be out there in the open. Yes. So to speak. Well, I appreciate the intro, Josh. I don't know that I am. (laughs) Boy, this guy trying to... Shut the fuck up. Get the ball rolling. Let's go. Right? I got to get up at 4 a.m. to go fucking fishing. Let's go. He's got to go fuck them fish. down that road. Okay, well, uh, as I was as I was saying earlier, your uh, your little nicknames this week were thematic to our main topic of the show that we will get to shortly, uh, where we'll be talking about review scores. Uh, Ooh, but before okay. we get there, uh, we didn't do this obviously last time with the um, pilot episodes, uh, but the way that uh, since I mean this will be the first regular format episode that anybody will be listening to. I figure I'll, I'll run yeah. down uh, the format real quick and then we can get started. Uh, so we'll probably usually have our little introductions and our bullshit and then we'll launch into uh, what we've been doing in terms of, uh, I mean, really just anything in life. Um and then we'll hop into the the main topic, which will be a little kind of like deep dive in some sort of gaming related topic. This week, again, is reviews and review scores. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit about what we've been playing. We'll do uh, after we're done with that, we'll go into um, a few quick things with the news and we'll end on a little segment I call pick of the week where we will um Shout out something for you to check out. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll start with Austin since Austin decided he wasn't going to fill out the document this week. 
what uh what have you been what have you been doing in the past uh two weeks all right so first of all i didn't fill out the document because uh i my bank account uh my bank account ran out of money and on iphone you can't download an app if you owe Mm. apple money so yeah (laughs) therefore i I could not download the document so but um pretty much for the last two weeks um um, but I, I've mostly just been watching anime, just trying to kind of catch up because I've uh, been I've rewatched uh, Evangelion probably like thirty times since February. So there's a lot of really good animes that have come out that I've missed out on. So I watched Fire Force, really good, uh, really cringy though. Dialogue is not great. Uh, a lot of titties. It's a very etchy anime sometimes. So a lot of titties, a lot of ripped clothes, and I'm. She wants me to start Demon Slayer, and I probably will. It looks really good. The animation Dude, in the, that uh, show just animation seems on that show, yeah, looks so good. I started reading the manga, and because I, so I really want to watch it uh, dubbed because I'm a degenerate and I don't really enjoy watching sub anime because I like to do other stuff while I'm watching anime. Like I'll sit in my game room and have Hulu pull up on my computer. And I'll be playing GameCube or, or something like that. So I don't really like to watch sub because plus I feel like you I I can't really watch the action, like if it's a really high paced anime, I can't watch it while trying to read what they're saying at the same time. Uh, yeah, that might just be yeah. a me thing. It might just be because I'm stupid. I don't know. It's one or the other. So I've been kind of waiting for it to come out dumb, but then I was like, well fuck them. I'm just gonna watch a sub. I'm just gonna read it, because then Nine times out of ten, the manga is usually better anyway. So that's pretty much it. Been rewatching Fire Force uh, or finishing Fire Force, reading Demon Slayer, and uh, I bought a Wii lot the other day. I don't know why I did that, but I did. It. Paid mm. fifty bucks for a Wii and a bunch of really terrible games that I've never heard of. Oh, um, boy, but well, that sounds like there, so that's fun. Neat. Yeah, and then I went to Video Game Trader and spent $50 on Wii games. So. This fucking guy. That's why you don't have money in your account to download Google Docs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent $50 on Video Game Trader, but thank God I have Bakugan and Spider-Man Web of Shadows for the week. Oh, God. I hope that uh, that wasn't picked up in my audio, but I bet it was. Um, it, Dylan. Uh, I heard it, so yeah, it was. Oh, it, Wonderful. Uh, Dylan, so it says that you've been uh, fishing like your life depends on it. What what exactly does that entail? Doing this again. <laughs> Different. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really understand because you don't eat the fish. Nope. It's so obviously your life does not nope. depend on This it. is enticing me into a place I don't want to go. You're luring me down into a dark alley. <laughs> Get out of me. <laughs> Come here, little boy. No, that's that's way too creepy, wow. huh? Okay, yeah, that's, that's no. weird. That's yeah. just weird. I didn't <laughs> I like that. Uh, I don't think I want you in the same room with my son anymore. I don't even get an intro. I don't even get to speak about what I've been Boy, doing. you didn't get an intro because I'm a fucking <laughs> no, idiot. No, go ahead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know what I've been doing. All right. Oh, I got an apartment coming. <laughs> I'll have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're nice. Moving. I am moving. It's nice. But yeah, there you know people don't take your internet for granted. Four years without it, having to use a mobile hotspot connection, it's not great. 
It's not yeah. Cool. So the fact that I'll have 250 down, I can download anything I want to and play anything I want to, stream whatever. That's a different world. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I I um, when we when we lived with my wife's parents, we had horrible fucking internet. It was god awful, the worst thing I'd ever encountered. And then when we got this house, I uh, bought AT and T fiber, and it's it's a godsend. It's like a whole living world. That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, shit, I'd have been happy with twenty, but they offered me two fifty, so I'm not turning that down. For real? Oh, hell no. Why would you? Nope. Uh, but no, that's what I've been doing. Just kind of doing the f word and then moving, getting that stuff. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Where Where are uh, you moving to? He's moving uh, over here near me. Actually, he's like you're going to be what, like five ten minutes away. That's at the most, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Weird. Yeah, uh, I'm. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Also, a little worried to be honest. Boy, I, I actually, you know, I was thinking <laughs> you were telling me um, the kind of area that you were uh, moving to, and I was like, I really think there's only like one set of apartments over that way. So I think I know exactly where you live Great. without you having told me the exact address. And you know what car I drive? <laughs> you just park next to me today. That's cool. <laughs> He's just going to be knocking on your door at 4 a.m. Like, I don't even think I'll get a courtesy knock. Oh, man. Yeah, just break right. So you might. Honestly, you might not. God. I wouldn't be shocked. That's the hey. creepiest fucking thing that I think I've ever said to anyone ever. Yep. And again, it happens at night right before I go to bed. So that's going to stay with me. <laughs> so you get to think about it. You get to let it simmer overnight. Yeah. I know his face that's in my head. I close my eyes and I see his smile smiling back at me. <laughs> And I've only seen his face in a mask for the past four months, so it's in a mask too. That's, that oh God! Worse. So it's even worse. He's about to like harvest your fucking organs or something. Yeah, Doctor Mullen. They they do fetch a pretty good price on the black market. I hear. Ah, uh, great. I hear. He said so. He said uh, so. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't actually know or anything. <sighs> uh, Remember, <laughs> FBI's listening. God, God bless the FBI for listening to my garbage ass conversations with my friends. I'm more concerned about fucking ads that appear after I mention half a word and it's like yeah. the exact thing that I was yeah. Dude, I know. It's it's fucking weak. Me and Madison were sitting on the couch the other day. I was I was drunk as hell. And I was like, bro, I'm finna Uber eat some McDonald's. And as soon as I fucking said that, I'm watching a documentary about Britney Spears on YouTube. And I get an ad for fucking McDonald's. Wow. I get a fucking ad for McDonald's. What a fucking combination of words. <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. She's in some real shit. For real, for, for any, any of the five people that listen to this, or that will listen to this, if you don't know about that, Look up the hashtag free Britney and dive into that fucking wormhole. It's fucked up. Fuck. It is a fucked up scenario. All right. But maybe that's a podcast for another day. I didn't watch anything fucked up this week, which is good. Um, I didn't watch a Britney documentary. I did, however, watch what we do in the shadows, uh, both the movie and the first four episodes of the TV show. And um, okay, are you guys familiar with what we do in the shadows I'm at all? Not, no idea. Okay. Oh, that no, Austin, no. 
what? I think you said that w- you do know what we do in the shadows. I think I think you were making a terrible pun. Uh, it doesn't matter. No, I, uh, I, <laughs> I said no idea. I don't. Oh, I, okay, okay. Uh, all right. Gosh, so, yeah, seriously. Um, so, right. what we do in the shadows is a 2015 film from Taika Waititi. Uh, he's the guy who did Thor Ragnarok. He's also the guy who did um, uh, what's the name of the Jojo movie from Rabbit. last year? Jojo Rabbit. That's it. Uh, and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, he's a New Zealand filmmaker. He's really good. He's very funny. Um, I like all of his movies. Uh, but what we do in the shadows is a mockumentary about vampires in New Zealand and, uh, basically just going through their, you know, day to day life. Um, and it's really, really funny and very heartwarming. Uh, I, (sighs) I don't know what to say about it other than I really enjoy it. Uh, it's like right up my alley with my sense of humor and the fact that it has to do with vampires is like an extra plus for me. Uh, but the show kind of takes that premise of the, the movie, you know, vampires living in like a flat together and transports it to Staten Island instead of New Zealand. And it is uh, really really funny there was uh one joke in particular that i thought was fucking hilarious where one of the uh the main vampires he has a um a cursed witch's hat that's made from like witch flesh and (laughs) the the whole premise of the episode is that they're going to meet with one of the vampires that they like rode on the boat with to get to staten island and they all think that he's this cool guy or whatever. They get there, and really he's just trying to steal the cursed witch's hat. And so they end up leaving the nightclub. The guy has stolen the hat away from, like, the main character. And then the uh, nightclub where they were just at blows up. And they go to the hospital to uh, look after their friend or whatever, and... The the one vampire steals his hat back, and as he does, he looks down at him, and he's like all bandaged up and shit, and he goes, I'm taking back my hat, you crispy piece of shit, and I don't know why, <laughs> but it just made me laugh so fucking hard. You uh, crispy piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's stupid. I'm, I'm going to start saying that. It's funny. But it's, uh, it's very dry British humor. Um... And it's about vampires, and I really, really enjoyed the first four episodes. Kayla and I are going to continue to watch it, probably. But uh, if you have any sort of affinity for that sort of stuff, I highly recommend it. So, well, check that out. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it's on Hulu. Uh, Like I said, I I think it's really good. But um, anyway. But what say we get into the main topic of the show? Uh, and so review scores are something that's been around in gaming for a very long time, going back as far as like the, the trade magazine play meter. And while these reviews weren't exactly the same as you would see in like modern 
day gaming publications, the DNA for everything was there. So the entire yeah. reviewing process would evolve over time, obviously, and eventually get to where it is today with a variety of outlets having different interpretations of what reviews are, with some even doing away with a standard review score. Uh, and recently, gaming journalism and the entire reviewing process has come under fire with movements such as like the early days of Gamergate taking issue with journalistic malpractice and really more recently, and the reason that this topic even thought to cross my head was the entire controversy over the last of us part two's review scores. So, uh, I think this has led a lot of people to question whether or not reviews and their related scores are really even necessary. Uh, and I think that's what we intend to discuss today. So, uh, I mean, do you guys have any like high level thoughts about reviews and review scores? Like, do you think that they're necessary? Do you like, do you know what the really, even the purpose of a review is? Like, I, I just want to get your guys general thoughts for, for me. It, it really depends on the outlet that I'm watching or reading the review from. Like, uh, like, like the comment I made earlier when we first tried setting this whole thing up tonight, uh, when I talked about IGN, they, I, I, I cannot take anything IGN says fucking legitimately. I can't. Because you read through their reviews, or, you, you know, pretty much every review that they type up, they, they make a bullshit fucking video for it. And I don't know if it's just me that feels this way. It might just be me being an asshole. But it's almost like every time I watch an IGN review, I'm like, did, did you even fucking play the game? Like, did you did you even make it past the the, the opening ten minute cutscene? Because half the fucking time it feels like they didn't. Like uh, when they when the um, Battle for Bikini Bottom remake come out, I don't know why that's the first review that popped into my head from them. Of course it probably is. Probably because it's probably because it's the most fucking recent one that I've read. Because I saw I saw people on Reddit shitting on it. Their their whole thing was that they were like the game feels very dated. The game's not very fun. It's it's. Uh, it's, it's got frame rate issues. It's got load time issues. Well, yeah, those are actual serious issues with the fucking game. It, it's a remake from, from like 2000, and it's barely a remake, honestly. It's really just a glossed-over port. It, it's a port with a fresh coat of fucking paint. It's not a remake. They didn't really add anything. The only thing they added were I think there were two boss fights that were cut from the original game that they added for the remake. And I haven't experienced those yet because the... Switch version of the game is so bad that it's almost unplayable. Um, <laughs> I, that's kind of my fault for buying it on the Switch. I do also have it on Xbox because I game share with a buddy who just buys pretty much anything and everything. Um, mm. So I do have it on Xbox. I haven't played it yet on Xbox, uh, partly because I'm I played through like eighty five percent of the game on the Switch before it really started to feel unbearable. So, but. It, it just nothing. Nothing they said was consistent. Um, they and I feel like that's an issue with think with a lot of review sources like IGN. Like they'll shit on the game for one thing and then they drop it later on in the review, or they even fucking praise it in, in some cases, which doesn't make sense to me at all. Like it, if you're gonna do a review, it needs to be consistent, and it has to it you. Even if you didn't finish the game, at least make it sound like you played a majority of the game, or at least half, 
because I feel like I uh, a lot of reporters from IGN uh, don't like with them um, when they did the big the big controversial review for uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. What did they say? They gave it like a I think it was like a seven point four out of ten, and they said their biggest complaint in the game was it had too much water. There's too much water. Uh, you had yeah, to I, I remember that. Too much water type Pokemon. Yeah. And I mean, for for Gen three, for Gen three, that is a valid complaint because literally half, like the a fourth of the game takes place in water based cities, and you have to traverse over water, and a good portion of the region's terrain is pretty much just the fucking ocean. So, yeah, but when you reviewed the original Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, that wasn't an issue for you. But when you reviewed the 3DS remakes, that that costed it two and a half points. Like that, that's what I mean by consistent. Like they they don't um, they don't they they don't weigh things out the same. And sometimes I feel like a lot of their really good reviews um, they are split a paycheck to to say it was a good game or not. I, I know a lot of people think that was the case with The Last of Us because they they do that with a lot of PlayStation exclusives. Even if the game wasn't necessarily good, they still give it like an eight or a nine. Or well, didn't they give The Last of Us a perfect score? Uh, the um, the original one, yeah, that got a ten, a ten out of ten. Yeah, the, um, the Last of Us two. I mean, didn't that one get a perfect uh, score? I'm genuinely not sure on IGN's review. I want to say it got a nine, but I'm again, I'm not sure. I, I haven't played the game, so I can't say whether that review score is valid. I'm probably never going to play it. I don't know. Maybe one day if I get a PS5 and they port it, which I'm sure they will, I'll, I'll play it. But Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. It is 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. See, that's what I thought. And a lot of people were like, there's a lot of things here that should have made this game not a fucking thing. Um, yeah. Like I said, I can't speak for that because I didn't play it. You got, you're the one playing it, so... Yeah, I was going to say, we'll that. we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll drag that game through the month later. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I think that... So I'm I'm of two minds with this. Uh, one is with with big outlets, we have to take into account that different people have different tastes. And like, even though IGN is the website they gave, you know, The Last of Us Part Two a ten out of ten, uh, it wasn't IGN the outlet. It was one of their writers. So yeah, like, they have I, several different writers and, and journalists. So that that's something that we definitely have to take into consideration when we're talking about reviews and review scores is like Absolutely. personal bias obviously will weigh in on any review. Like if I go to write my own review for uh, like The Last of Us 2, I'm like video games is one of my big hobbies. Right. But like my the thing that I'm probably most passionate about in the entire world is movies. So. A lot of times when I go into story-based games, my first, like, instinct when it comes to, like, if I were to write a review for, for anything would be critiquing the story from a, um, like, a storytelling perspective that I've gotten from movies, right? So, like, yeah. that would be my own personal bias. And, I like, it's hard to uh, really divorce yourself from those things sometimes. Um mm-hmm. Or, or or this is an even better example. Like, uh, so 
if you're playing like a JRPG and, or let's say you're playing persona and you love persona, the series, and you have to review like persona five, you're probably going to give persona five a higher score because you're a fan of that series. Whereas like someone who, or well, not necessarily that you're going to give it a higher score, but you will be judging persona as a fan of the series. So like you'll be judging it against the, like the other entries within that series. Whereas someone who has never played a persona game and just happens to like JRPGs will come. You're going to judge it against other JRPGs. Exactly. Like they're, they're going to have a completely different tact on the way that they, uh, that makes sense. I see where you're going. So, uh, we, we definitely have to take that into account, but I think that there are some very genuinely, like, uh, thoughtful and uh, I, I'm lost for the word that I'm trying to search for right now. But there are some very legitimate critiques that pe- people can level against, like, the IGNs of the world when it comes to their review scores and... I I had a train of thought that I was going down and then I just kept trying to think about the word that I was trying to search for and now my entire train of thought is just ruined. Um I I uh, yeah, I don't know, I lost it. D- Dylan, do you have to, what what are what are your thoughts? Yeah. I'll pick up that fumble. Uh I think review scores are completely arbitrary. Uh, yeah, agreed. A lot. As a consumer, I have beef with IGN too, and it's a lot of just the big websites. Um, GameSpot, you know, back in the day, I would have trusted their reviews. Oh, absolutely. Prof- just profoundly above anything else. But even today, I see it more of. There's a new game that came out. It's now their job to play and review the game. I'm sure they like it. I'm sure they enjoy playing it. But when I when I want to find out about a game, I do not go to IGN or GameSpot or whatever. I'll try and go to where the consumer base is, like the players, us. That's what I want to see. <laughs> and I've never personally agreed with a with a rating system in terms of one through ten, one through five. A, B, C, D, F. I don't think that is how we should review a game. I don't think a game should have a 1 through 10 numerical rating system. Um, and the reason is, where where do we start drawing the line with the numbers? I mean, The Witcher 3, in my opinion, is one of the pinnacle of gaming achievements. That's one of the best games to ever come out. It's not just my opinion. It's a fact with how many awards it's won. Oh, yeah. It's, it's nothing has knocked it off its throne. Right. Nothing. It's huge. I don't think anything ever will. That game got a 9.3. A 9.3. What happened in that review with IGN, I'm basing this off of IGN's review, the, the person who reviewed it stated that the story was too long-winded and it did not... It felt like a chore instead of a mystery to unravel, which I don't know what game they played. I don't <laughs> not for me to say. Um, 
But the point is, everything else about the game was perfect to them. The side quest, the combat, the, ex- the exploration, it was all great. The one thing to knock it off of its throne in their eyes from a 10 to a 9.3 was a long-winded story. So my thing is, is why did that take off 0.7 of a percent? Like, what? where did you review that game? to? Why, first, why can't we just make it a 9 out of 10? Why is there? Why did you give it a 0.3? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Why did that number make a difference? I understand where you're going. And then... Alpha Sapphire. I mean, I'll go back to that because it is one of the worst reviewed games. Like, and I don't mean it's a bad game. I think it's a great game. But the person who reviewed it, let me just, I knew something was wrong with that person reviewing it when they described the game as having beautiful landscapes. And then they say from volcanoes to the deserts to the beaches. And in my head, as a person who played that game more than five minutes, you're on an ocean. There's going to be beaches first off, so let's not even mention that. This person said from the volcanoes to the deserts. That's literally right next to each other in the game. Like, you could throw a rock and hit the volcano from the desert. Like, she didn't mention the many islands or the giant mountains or, you know, Evergrande City being a city on top of a freaking waterfall or Moss Deep City with the space station. She literally said a volcano and a desert. They're right next to each other in the game. Literally, the, the desert is pretty much at the foot of the fucking volcano. Yep, that's it. Like, you could you could cover so much in that game, but you literally chose the two things next to one another. There's a ton of stuff to see in that game. and it's But that took it down to that 7.8 score. She said that the use of HMs were too much. Like, I'm sorry, I grew up playing where I had to have HMs to get through the game. Sword and Shield have streamlined that now. So did uh, Sun and Moon. They streamlined it to where you didn't have to have the HM sleeves. You had your way around it. I get that. But growing up, that's how we played it. So I didn't expect my hand to be held, nor would I knock a Pokemon game for making you do that. That's their roots. That's what Emerald did, or sorry, Ruby and Sapphire did. So again, that's something else that knocked it down to the 7.8, but then you touched on it as well. It was too much water. Like, again, we just got finished with Kanto and Johto at the time. Those were two heavy land-based regions that we could explore. So they switched it up entirely, gave us something brand new with um, the Hoenn region because it was a lot of land, but it was also on a coastal region as well. You could traverse not only parts of the ocean and find a floating ocean out into the middle of the water that or a, like a floating town out in the middle of water that was cool in itself mm-hmm. you had uh you had moss deep city which is its own island and there's a fucking space station on it you had there was when they say too much water yeah there was a lot of water to traverse but you had ways to get around it quickly you could get to these places, and they were beautiful. The the, the biggest thing for me is, I think, especially about um, uh, the too much water issue with with, O-R- with the O-Rats pair, or even the original trilogy of Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Um, it, it, it's been... Pokemon's done a really good job at... The regions are... If you lay them over a map of the specific area they're based on, those, those maps will line up fucking exactly and exactly. if you look at the region of Japan that um, Hoenn was based on 
that's what would fucking be there. Is exactly. a lot of it's fucking that, water. It's that coastal region. Yep. It's like they took they took a leap. They said, okay, they had Kanto Johto. Let's give them something different. They brought something innovative, and instead of being happy with that, it became a chore because. In that reviewer's words, they had to utilize surf and dive, and dive wasn't fun enough, and it was just too much to explore. It's like, where where did that make the game drop to a 7.8, along with the, you know, just the whole HM thing? It's like, there's very basic complaints that took a good game. So what Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby did was it took the third generation of games, which everyone at the time wanted to be remade, and they did it in an exquisite fashion. They built it from what seems like the ground up. If you go into the third gym, like that city, Marvel City, it's a completely different... Oh yeah, completely overhauled. ...original game. It was like a little... I think she actually said it in the review, and I agree with it. It's like a little Lumio City from X and Y. Yeah, that was that's what it was intended to be. Yeah, and it felt good and comfortable. So instead of focusing on all these high points, we nitpick at certain things that we don't like. And I I get that as a reviewer, but I don't think we should or as a game player, I should say, but I don't think we should give a numerical value. What are we even deriving these numbers from in the first place? Like how, what Like, these two tiny little nitpick complaints. There's too much water, you know, too much... And too many water-type Pokemon. That was the big thing. But also having to utilize HM uh, moves, hidden machines. It's like, why did that make the game go down 2.2 points? It's... Why do we have to use these numbers? And that's what I don't appreciate as a game player myself. It's like, when I want to know about a game, especially one that's just coming out... What I'm reading to find out about is the game. I don't need a number assigned to it. Exactly. Honest opinion. When I go to these big places now, like IGN or GameSpot, I feel like I'm reading a very commercialized game review. I feel like that is their job to review this game, and they don't care about much else. Like they, and I get that. That is their job. That is what they're doing. But at some point, it stopped being about the games and it started being about the money is how i see it yeah i agree i just don't i don't like what a lot of these companies are doing now because i feel like if you want an honest opinion of what a game is you go and you look and i hate to use like reddit as an example but you could go to a subreddit for that game and you can probably get some really honest opinion and feedback you could ask questions that's like that we're in the gaming world right now because we're all so connected. We can go to these different forums and hubs and apps and whatever, and you can join a community and you can ask about a game. You don't have to go read about a review that assigns some random number. You know, you slap, it doesn't even mean anything to slap a 10 on a game anymore. No. Like back in the day, Grand Theft Auto 4 getting a 10 was a huge thing from Grand, uh, from GameSpot. Like that was massive. And then it's like more and more games, especially IGN. IGN has this really cool thing they do where they just uh, look. I'm not <laughs> IGN, but yeah, it's just that's that's the example of what a game review should not be is what they do. I feel it just doesn't feel genuine. Yeah, you, I, I understand. You can read reviews. I mean, it's just 
where these numbers came from, maybe back in the day they meant something. But as of now, they feel so obsolete and it's just dated. I would rather, even though I disagree with what the guy said about The Witcher 3, I can respect it. Like his whole write up was beautiful. It encaps like it just it captured what the game truly was. Even though I disagree with the part about the story, he was honest throughout the whole thing. Um, and that's what a review should be. But all these other things, like just the whole assigning numbers and knocking off points for things that are so minuscule. And then you take a potentially great game and you turn someone away because it's like, you know, if I see a game with a 7 out of 10, to me that says like, oh, that's an okay game. Like, I'm not excited to play that. And what if I would have looked at that if I wasn't a Pokemon fan and I would have seen that for Alpha Sapphire and I would have been like, eh, you know, I'm not so sure about this, but it's a great game and I could have missed that opportunity. I know not a lot of people are like that. But to the ones that are, it's just I would rather read a heartfelt review from a person who actually cares about the game than someone who got paid to do it. My my thing is, I think I think the number system, um, I think the number system as a whole is an extremely outdated process, Um, because when when you break when I when when I look up a review of a game or when I um, watch a review of the game, uh, one of my favorite places to go because honestly I buy more uh, all my current gen stuff I pretty much buy on Switch I don't really buy a whole lot of Xbox stuff because as I've stated numerous times I I have a buddy that does all that shit for me so I don't have to so I I just play pretty much whatever he's like oh hey this is good try it out I'm like oh okay cool but um, at heart at heart I'm a Nintendo guy Um, I have a Switch collection, I have a Wii collection, I have a DS, Game Boy, 3DS collection, I have a GameCube collection. So when I want to watch a review on a Switch game, there's a guy on YouTube, his name is Beat'em-Ups. He's this long-haired Australian dude. And he's he's funny, he's genuine, he's he's very passionate about Nintendo, but he's also not afraid to step out and be like, alright, well... Nintendo dropped the ball on this one because this game, it, it, in my opinion, kind of sucks. Like he he released a review talking about how much he hated uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I love the Xenoblade franchise. I they they are pro, they are some of my favorite JRPGs that I've ever played. But it, they're they're fantastic games, and he I would like to see more reviewers do the style of review that he does, where he gives his honest compassionate thoughts he's like here's what i love about the game here's what i didn't like about the game not just well here's a number it's a seven out of ten or it's a six out of ten or it's a five out of ten i I don't i don't care about the score i I don't want to see the score that doesn't because at the end of the day that doesn't deter whether i'm gonna or determine whether i'm gonna buy a game or not what does determine yeah it, it it literally tells me nothing like i've seen people post up reviews on, uh, you know, like review sections on GameStop websites, and which doesn't even matter because really you should never be on GameStop's website buying from them anyway. <laughs> but um, your your crusade against GameStop yeah, never fails is, to amuse. Podcast, dude. I if yeah, we're just roasting everybody now. This is what this is. It's a roast. So to, to both of your points, right? Uh, I think that what Austin is trying to say. Uh, is something that I fully agree with in that I think that instead of going to these big sites and and 
not necessarily taking animosity towards them because I don't know that that's necessarily right. Because, I mean, yeah, they are paid to do that and that, you know, maybe weighs into their bias a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's like their job to deliver something for us to consume. I think it's if you're going to frequent those sites, you need to find people within those sites that you can relate to and agree with and then follow their reviews. It's the what and the, the reason yeah. that I, I bring Austin into this is because he's talking about this YouTuber. I don't really go to. IGN anymore. I, I used to. I used to frequent there a lot. Uh, and I don't really go to like Giant Bomb. I don't really go to a lot of these websites that have reviews because I've found people who are either on YouTube or through podcast and I trust their opinions and they're who I follow. And that now that that's not to say that like you should follow people who are going to think what you think and that you should just blindly follow their opinion because I I frequently disagree with uh, a lot of the people that I follow, but I trust that they're going to tell me what they think. Like Austin said with his uh, Nintendo guy, he loves Nintendo, but he's going to take Nintendo to task when they do something wrong. And I, those are the kind of people that I think it is imperative that we as like the, the, the video game community or whatever, whatever you want to call us needs to do because to Austin's point, these big outlets are outdated. They, they, they just are. YouTube, uh, for better or worse, is probably the future of where video game content creation is going to go. And to, to bring it back to, to Dylan's point, review scores, I think, are really outdated. Uh, and I think that they have needed to be gone for a really long time because the, I've, I've legitimately seen reviews where the material, like, in the review will lead me to believe that like the, the reviewer didn't like the game. And then I get to the bottom and it's eight out of 10. Like, dude, that doesn't track. No, like that doesn't track. Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. But also like, how do you like, I, I was listening to, um, do you guys know who Alana Pierce is? Okay. Yeah. So she used to work for IGN and she has a podcast with, uh, Troy Baker, who's a voice actor. um, Austin Ellery, I think is his name, who is a uh, composer for video games, and Mike Bithell, who is an independent game developer. And they were talking about review scores, again, in conjunction with The Last of Us. And she she brought up the point that the reason that you see 7s, 8s, 9s, 10s so frequently is because a lot of games that are reviewed are good to great. Like, you don't see as many of the bad games reviews because people aren't asking for those reviews. People don't click on those reviews. So you can't make the ad revenue, whatever. Yeah. And to, to that point, I think that that is probably a fair way to, to think about things because people aren't asking you to review the bad games. And to that point, there are a ton of, I'm sure atrocious games that come out on, all of the individual platform stores every week that no one buys. Like these games will maybe sell uh, like a, maybe a hundred copies. Like they're just, they're not going to sell and they're atrociously bad games. And 
why would IGN specifically, like if we're going to talk like major outlets or whatever, why would they waste their time reviewing this game that only 100 people are going to buy? So to, okay. like, to, to make to, or to her point, that makes sense. But also to me, it I feel like there's been this weird oh, because we're talking about the review scores being arbitrary. I really feel like there's this weird tendency for everything to be like. If it is a seven, that is the baseline. And I don't think that that's really correct because you have a 10 point scale. The baseline should be five and everything should either build or detract from that. So like if you started a baseline of five and then the game has got like, I don't know, like three really good parts that brings it up to an eight. But then it's got like two really bad parts that should bring it down to a six. Right. It shouldn't be a matter of like it starts at a seven and then it can work its way up to a 10 or it can fall down. I think it should start at a five and then, you know, things add to that score or they detract from that score. And I don't, I don't understand why there is a dearth of sevens, eights, nines, tens when there's a whole scale that could be used, if that makes sense. Uh, But to that point, scores are useless. I think that Mm -hmm. reviews should be, you should take the time to listen to what the person is saying and then f- draw your own conclusions from that. If they're telling you, I really had a fun time with this game, the gameplay is good, the graphics aren't, you know, spectacular, blah, 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 and the story isn't all that good, but you can gather from what he's saying that, like, if you like gameplay focused games, this is a good gameplay focused game, I should buy it. Like, that's, I, I really think it's the onus is on us as consumers to seek out those people who will give you their honest opinion. And then you can infer from their opinion, whether or not you should buy it. Like you should not go out and be like, well, this is an eight out of a 10. I guess I'll pick it up because you could hate that game. There's oh yeah, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that you should just do your purchasing decisions based on a, arbitrary score that someone just shits out into the ether like that doesn't make sense to me but i i feel like it is a lot more nuanced than than what has come out recently especially in regards to the last of two's review scores and that whole like review bombing on metacritic and all of that stupid fucking garbage like really i'm i'm gonna say this and i genuinely like i mean it if this offends you, like, I'm sorry, but like, if you're one of those people who hasn't fucking played the last of us part two and is out there giving on Metacritic, like the consumer scores zeros out of tens and you've never fucking played it. And you're just upset because there's a, like a lesbian protagonist or that there's a trans character in there or whatever you think the woke agenda is. Fuck you. And I mean that like sincerely, honestly, you, you're a you cannot wholeheartedly. You're a fucking yeah, You can't like go out and have an opinion on a game that you've never fucking played, and you can't no, have an opinion based on what your perceived level of wokeness or whatever the fuck it is is in that game. Like, but with you're that, an asshole. I mean, there's always going to be people that do shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and I'm not yeah, absolutely defending those people, but. We know that those people exist, and again, it's just one of those reasons to not believe everything you see. I think we're in a great place right now because 
from when I grew up to now, gaming has evolved and it is the biggest. Mm -hmm. It will. I mean, it's just growing. It's it's at its peak right now and it's only going to continue to grow. And especially in the coming years when esports becomes a more, you know, streamlined thing and mainstream thing, it's going to be bigger and bigger. But the cool thing is that more people play games now than they ever have before. And we, as a consumer base, can simply pick up the phone and ask one another. Because most likely, if I've not played a game, you have played it. And if you've not played a game, Austin's played it. And if, you know, there's Mm -hmm. always somebody out there that you can go to. Yes, we turn to these places online. We turn to the people that we are familiar with, the places that we are familiar with, Metacritic being one of them. And we look at everything going on with that. There are the people giving it the zeros for this reason and that reason, and they're completely making the game's review score cascade downwards. And that's Mm -hmm. awful in itself. But again, that's where the whole, you know, the whole thing from the podcast comes. It's review scores are obsolete. But the cool, like, again, bring it back to the French, the friendships that you have now in gaming can, can be so versatile because the reasons you don't like Skyrim are the reasons I love it. So even though I get your oh yeah yeah input, it's like I don't like it. It was way I got lost in it. It's way too big. There was too much to do. Didn't like the combat for this and this reason. I hear that, you know, when I listen to the podcast that we just did and we were talking about it and the points that you were talking about, I got to hear reasons that I would want to play the game. So I think that's cool that we can do away with everything that we're seeing on these online forums. We can do away with the review scores and we can we can turn to each other. Because yeah. that's, I think that's what we need to do more of, especially now that just us in this group right now, we have we have developed a relationship over the past month that we can we're on the phone every day texting like something, whether it's just a hey, hi, hello, that's fine. But it's three mm-hmm. gamers that didn't know each other prior to this um, this whole thing starting and we can we have this little group now that we turn to and we're like, hey, this game's kind of cool. I'm playing this. Just got this. There's a lot going on, especially you, Josh, have fed me information on The Last of Us 2 because all I heard was straight negativity. And I expressed those to you and you came to me and said, dude, no, like you gave me the, the site that I needed into a game that I thought I might never play just because I kept hearing bad things. So again, mm-hmm. I did away with the online stuff and I went to where I should go. And it's kind of like what you were saying, but in a much more close and social aspect, it's you should find people that you trust yeah. and you should listen to them. Mm-hmm. That just so happens to be my very close group of friends. Like I can turn to you guys and you can give me the reviews that I want. And not a single time have any of you ever thrown a number at the end of a game. Yeah. And <clears throat> Well, I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, other, other than YouTube, in my opinion, other than than watching somebody who reviews games on YouTube, I, I would 100% think the best place to get a feel over a game or not is fucking Reddit. And that 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 sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth because I feel like you can never trust Reddit for anything. But I, I when I watched the, it, it goes back to, to, to Xenoblade 2. When I watched that review of Xenoblade 2, I was like, shit, like, I, you know, that game looked really good. Like, I, I, But, you know, my favorite YouTuber said it was bad. Maybe it's actually bad. But then I, I, I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to fucking buy it. So I bought Xenoblade 2. 
And then on the same purchase, I also bought the prequel. Uh, they did a prequel game um, called Torna the Golden Country, which, little anecdote, I bought Xenoblade 2, super excited for it, played the first hour or two, and I was like, fuck, dude, I love this game. I'm going to buy the season pass. Bought the season pass, uh, realized that when you buy the season pass, you get a copy of Torna digitally for free. So I wasted $30 on uh, Torna. Heartbreak. Well, here's what gets worse. The physical for Torna came in, which I'm a physical collector anyway. Um, I don't buy digitally unless I absolutely cannot find it physically. Like with the uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom. Fuck, God damn it! I hate up going back to that so much. <laughs> but like Battle for Bikini Bottom on release day, I went to five fucking stores to find it. And I could not find it anywhere. I went to three GameStops, a Walmart, and a Best Buy. And I could not find it anywhere. So I was like, shit. You mean you walked into a GameStop? Unfortunately, yeah. Him of all people. Oh, man. I didn't want to, but, you know, the GameStop, as much as I shit on them, the GameStop uh, locally to me, uh, the one directly outside of the Mall of Georgia, that's the best one that I've ever been in. Dudes in there are super fucking helpful. They're, they're all really nice guys. They give me deals and discounts because I used to spend a lot of fucking money in there. Um, so they hook me up whenever I come in because they know I'm going to spend money if they do. Which probably says a lot more about me than it does about them, but more than either here or there, I guess. (laughs) I feel you, though, because if there's a clearance section in a Dick's or Academy, and I go in and I see some baits on clearance, I'm going to buy them immediately. And it's like like they put stuff on set, turn around and buy everything in the store. But, um, and uh, with with Torna, my physical copy came in, and uh, I'm a physical collector, so I bought it physically. Open the copy of Torta. There's a download code for the season pass for the Blade <laughs> So it, it, it really went full fucking circle. So if either of you guys ever pick up Xenoblade 2 and you want the fucking season pass, I got you. You could fucking have hey, fun. Look at that. Inside Intel from McDonald's. Um, but uh, I, I was very disappointed to hear that somebody didn't like the game or specifically. Uh, my favorite go-to YouTuber that I, I'm not joking when I say I literally check his page every morning to see if he put out a new video the night before or whatever. And I, I watch his videos at dinner while I'm eating. He, I think he's a really good YouTuber. Really enjoyed his wholesome content. Um, but I, I went to Reddit and I started reading stuff and everyone's like, you know, this game does have issues, but if you like JRPGs, give it a shot. Um, you might absolutely love it, and I'm, I'm hooked. Within the moment I put it in my Switch, and I started the intro, and I started playing through the intro, I was a little confused, but about an hour in, when shit really starts hitting the... I'm not going to spoil anything, because it's a relatively new game. Now, I think it's like two or three years old at this point. Um, and I know you guys like JRPG, so maybe it's something you'll pick up one day down the road, so I'm not going to fucking sit here and spoil anything. But shit really hits the fucking fan after about, like, 45 minutes. And at that point, Madison even said something because she looked at my face and she was like, I knew you were fucking hooked. Like, it was going to be hard to get you not to play this game. And I played it for, like, three or four straight days. Like, every bit of free time I had was sitting down playing Xenoblade 2. So, honestly, just go to Reddit. Just fucking go to Reddit. Well, it's also just, I mean, you made your own decision. You said... No, to I mean, you, could, you made an informed yeah. decision. Whether you exactly. were informed that it was a bad game or good game, you made an informed 
decision and you did not let a number dictate what you did or did not do. Exactly. And that's when it, when it comes back to the last of us, the overview bombing bullshit. I know Josh already touched on it, but honestly just an extra fuck to you because you're, you're, you're hurting the game's reputation and, and its sales and people were really fucking regardless of your feelings of a game. Somebody spent numerous hours a fucking day developing that game mm-hmm. just for you to never play it and get on your get behind your fucking computer screen, your fucking phone, or your iPad, or whatever the fuck you use, and shit post it for no reason. Like this is someone's livelihood. You've never played it. You're just maybe your friends are roasting it and you just want to hop in and you just roast it for no reason. You you're hurting somebody else's work. And it just kind of makes you a fucking asshole. Yeah. Agreed. Honestly. Uh, well, that was, uh, I feel like a pretty, pretty thorough discussion on reviews and also, uh, a takedown of assholes everywhere. <laughs> and how terrible GameStop is. Really, don't stop there. Stop. Yeah. Like I said, assholes everywhere. <laughs> stop getting in your money. Uh, so how about we get into what we've been playing? And I think the, oh, the boy. probably the best way to do this is we'll, uh, again, Austin doesn't have anything written down, so we'll just beat him, beat him <laughs> to the stick. Uh, but instead of going person by person, I think we'll go game by game. So, uh, Dylan, tell me about Far Cry 3. Oh, I was like, wow, that's a really good guess. I forgot I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Far Cry 3 is actually something that got put on the back burner. But I did enjoy it. I haven't played a Far Cry in a mm-hmm. long time. And when I say play a Far Cry, I mean more than a, an hour. So I kind of fell into the same thing with Far Cry 3. Like I started playing it and then I immediately got distracted on another. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. Um, but I touched back on it today and it's I keep wanting to do more. But then as soon as I started playing and I got like 30 minutes into a mission, which is fun as hell, by the way, I am enjoying it. I was like, man, I could really go for some farming action on Stardew right now, which I I say farming action, Josh, and I went straight. <laughs> oh, God. <Ugh. laughs> oh, God. God. Like, even in gaming, it just doesn't let go. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you exactly what I do on Animal Crossing, too. So. I mean, if it makes you feel better, you can fish in Fire Emblem Three Houses, so get that one. Yep. Dude, just all the fishing games. All the fishing yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um. But no, I've been playing a little a little of everything. Far Cry 3 has been on the list. Stardew Valley has been on the list. And The Last of Us. I'm going back to replay The Last of Us. That's truly what I've put the most time into this week. I've dabbled with a little Pokemon here and there, trying to uh, hatch a shiny Rowlet in sword. Oh, bro, you're doing the same fucking thing I am. But The Last okay. of Us. I'm well, dabbled- in that case, yeah, tell, tell us about The Last of Us. It holds up. Are you playing the uh, Are you playing the remastered version on PS4? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. So, started diving into that earlier in the week, and I'm taking my time with it because I didn't rush through it the first time I played it, but I feel like I just wanted to see the story through to the end, and I just kept playing and playing. So this time, I'm kind of slowing it down a little bit. Like I'm just now. Uh, inside of the high school with Bill, I believe his name is. Okay, yeah. So that's where I'm at now. But I'm just taking the time to really enjoy the level detailing. Man, I'm telling you, I think I stood on one of those buildings inside the city with Tess and Ellie 
for a good 10 minutes just looking around like for a game and i know it's not that old what it came out in 2013 or something yeah 2013 was the ps3 release and then i think it uh the the remaster was in 2014 yeah so that's not that far like back but even still like graphics have come a long way in that time yes but it holds up i mean i'm looking at it and it's like wow like even the 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 characters and you know seeing how their faces drop and change with what they're saying it just draws me in and i'm having a lot more fun with it this time because it's a much slower pace i'm playing it on a harder difficulty so i'm having to Mm-hmm. Uh, think about the choices that I'm making. That makes it more fun. Any horror game that I can amp up the difficulty on, like that's so much fun. I mean, whatever. The, it's not really horror. It's more like action oriented, kind of like Resident Evil. But it does have some yeah. moments. I've said quite a few expletives playing that game. Actually, this yes, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> but it's so much fun, and like just the the atmosphere because we just to get to the high school, we had to walk through a cemetery. That was my least favorite part of the whole game. Cemeteries have never bothered me in my whole life until I started playing it. <laughs> and it's just... That's hilarious. It's... Oh, I don't like it. But I think it's because a clicker grabbed me out from behind a tombstone and I was just immediately petrified. I was like, nope. <laughs> I think that was when I turned the game off uh, mm. for the day. And then I went to a happy game called Stardew Valley. But I've just been in, just enjoying it, taking my time. I'm ready to see this one through to the end. And when I do, thanks to your input... And your review, I will get the last of us too, and I'll play through that and give it give it a go because now I'm excited. Um, I'm picking up on details I've not really caught before or um, paid much attention to on my first run. It's mm-hmm. I don't I haven't played the the backstory either, by the way, like that little pre chapter. Oh yeah, the uh, Left Behind. Yeah, I haven't done that. I don't know if I should have done that before I played the game. I think or you should play it after. Uh, even though it's a prequel, I think it gives uh, – it's maybe a little bit better to have the context of everything that happens after, like chronologically. That makes sense. Because I'm seeing th- – and I don't know – because I picked up on something. Ellie was – we were kind of close to where we're at now. Uh, we were in one of the upper rooms of a house building – and she saw an arcade machine, but there was an immediate attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And I picked up on that and I was like, man, I wonder if that has anything like if there's any kind of flashback in left behind. I kind of I put it in the back of my mind because I want to see if that comes into play or not. Um, but even still, it's just picking up on little things that she likes because um, that's what the story's all about. I mean, it's a it's a it's a story of Joel and Ellie, but this is her story, much like. The Walking Dead is Carl's story. I feel like this is Ellie's story. Mm, and okay, yeah. It's on her. Okay, That's nice, cool. nice. Okay. Well, uh, since I don't know what Austin's been playing because he refused to put it on the document, <laughs> uh, I'm going to um, briefly touch on the second two in my list. Um, so I'm playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima. It came out Friday. Um, I, and I, I really haven't want to hear been able to. Okay, so I, I haven't really been able to put as much time into it as I would like, but I probably paid about, uh, I'd say probably two or three hours at this point. Okay. Um, I think the game is stunning from a art direction standpoint. I think the vibrant colors and the just like wide open landscapes are really, really striking, like jaw droppingly so. But they're 
when you're not in a cinematic, I do feel like the fidelity of the game isn't quite as polished as a big AAA exclusive should be. Mm-hmm. Like you look at The Last of Us 2 outside of the cutscenes, uh, and the game is just absolutely stunning. And then when you get into the cutscenes, it's almost like photorealistic. It's it's genuinely fucking amazing what Naughty Dog was able to do with that game. But you look at Ghost of Tsushima and like the moment to moment gameplay stuff just does not look nearly as good yeah. as the cutscene stuff. And even the the stuff in the cutscenes just it it I don't want to say looks dated, but it, like you can tell that this game has been long in development, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and it's kind of like take taken away from the the art direction aspect of it. I think a little bit for me because the, the art direction is so stunning. I would, I really wish that the rest of the game was stunning. Uh, but outside of the visuals, uh, the story I haven't, I genuinely haven't really gotten enough playtime with it to know if I like the story or not. So I'm not going to really comment on that. But. The gameplay I really like so far. It does have a, 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 a it does have a little bit of a infamous thing for me where the open world just kind of doesn't work for me. Like it it doesn't it doesn't like it. It's cool to have this wide open like uh, island off the coast of Japan that like you can explore, but there's not m- too much. To that world, like there's not a whole lot to, to do. Or yeah, there it, it all it feels empty, okay. and I I know that like story wise, it kind of makes sense that like the cities aren't sprawling and and stuff like that, and like the temples that you visit are kind of like clustered with little bits of people here and there, yeah. but like it just feels like there's not enough to do okay. so far. But again, maybe maybe that opens up. I I do need to spend a little bit more time with it. But uh, the combat is very fun. The combat feels uh, like a, for lack of a better phrase, it feels like a dumbed down Dark Souls. Like it's um, someone was saying, like dumbed down Sekiro. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I haven't played Sekiro, but I, I assume that it is very much like Bloodborne and and Dark Souls. Um, where like your, your movement and your timing is everything and you can get real fucked up real quick. If you, if you miss your, your button mashes or, or anything like that. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, but I can see what it, why it would be frustrating for some people, uh, specifically the people who can't do Dark Souls or Bloodborne because or Sekiro because of how hard that is. Um, but I, I like it so far. Um, I'm just, I, I really need to spend more time with it. The other game on my list though, again, I'll touch on very briefly is dead by daylight. This is the 2016 asymmetric multiplayer game. Uh, that's horror focused. Uh, I picked it up on steam as part of the 
Well, I didn't pick it up, actually. My friend bought it for me. It was on my wish list. But it was part of the Steam, Steam Summer Sale, and it was on sale for like 10 bucks or something like that. And I've been playing it on PC for the first time ever, and the game is still just fun as it's always been. It's um, basically the premise, if you don't know, is you play as like a group of or you play as one person in a group of four players who your goal is to escape this kind of like hellish nightmare by turning on generators, which will open a door which you can escape out of. And the entire time that you're doing that, you have this killer who's walking around stalking you and who can sacrifice you to this really Lovecraftian, like cosmic horror type thing. Uh, the gameplay is very tense, um, because if you... Dude, tense is a fucking it, understatement of that goddamn game. <laughs> the game gave like, me it, if you've ever played, uh... Oh, did, have you played it? Dude, I used to, I played the shit out of Dead by Daylight all the time. Uh, okay, okay. So, if you've ever played, uh, Alien Isolation, the same effect that you get when you know that the alien is near you and you've got that little gun that shoots, yeah. like, the alien coming towards you is the same kind of dread inducing thing that dead by daylight does, except it does it with sound as opposed to like a visual aid. So you'll hear your heart beating because the killer will be getting close to you. And it is so tense and so much fun. Uh, I have a blast playing it. I, I know it's not for everyone and it's really, especially for me because I'm a horror nut, but uh, I really, really think you should pick it up if you have any sort of inclination for that sort of stuff whatsoever. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrifying uh, thing. Yeah, man. Uh, it's it's on Game Pass also, uh, Dylan, so if you don't want to try it on PC, you can try it on Xbox for sure to see if you oh, like it's it. It's definitely going to be on PC. Like Day one of moving, I'm downloading it just because I need that good jump start in my heart when it comes to <laughs> horror games. Like, if I bitch out when a clicker grabs me from behind a tombstone, I'm going to... I'm gonna lose it when something happens in that game because I'm dude. <laughs> dude. We we me and my group of friends that I play with. Um, there used to be a, more of us. It was a buddy and his girlfriend, but uh, yeah, his girlfriend split up. He got really depressed and was like, "Fuck it, I'm moving to PC." It just kind of dropped all of us. So now it's just three of us. Um, but we <laughs> we we used to play custom games on Dead by Daylight, and my buddy David who is always fucked up 24-7. If he listens to this, he can't even get back because he knows how true that is. Um, if he's not at work, he's not sober, period. He's a great guy, super funny. But uh, we, we were playing a custom game one night, all five of us, and I was the killer, and I was playing as Michael Myers. And out of nowhere, we just hear this man fucking yell as loud as he can. And we're like, what the? Because we all like talked on in, in, in like an Xbox party chat while we did it. And we we're like, David, what the fuck's up, man? He was like, dude, you just, you walked around that corner, and I swear to God, I felt my asshole in my throat. Because <laughs> uh, Halloween is Halloween is my favorite, uh, well, probably my favorite live action movie franchise. Um, we even though some, even though a lot of the movies are ass. Bro, they're not good. <laughs> They're really bad. <laughs> the majority of the movies in that franchise are just straight up garbage. <laughs> like I, I, my fav, my favorite kill in the entire franchise is the very first kill um, that he makes as an adult in the very first movie, where he strangles that bitch in her car. Ah, uh, yeah. 
The camera pans out and you see her fucking blink. And I lose my shit every time. Yeah. That's good stuff. But, <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not good stuff, but. Such yeah. a no, it's not. Um, like, there's been alleyway stalkings from yeah. the get go. Now they're strangers. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, just going to be in your car one morning getting ready to go fish, and Josh is just going to pop up from the backseat, caress your cheek. You're not oh, wrong. Lord. That's how it's going to happen. <laughs> it's black dark outside. Every morning I get ready, and I'm fucking barely awake. I'm running on fumes because I get three hours worth of sleep because we record a six. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gonna rub. He's just gonna rub your cheeks with the back of his hand and shove two fingers in your mouth oh, and all of them. Dude, that's somehow worse than dying. <laughs> yeah, it kind of probably would and be. It's always with the mask on. Always with always. the mask on. Always. You uh, can't do it with the mask off. Austin, uh, how about you tell us about what you've been playing? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, well, Coliseum. Oh I, yeah. I I have. I, I finished Coliseum finally. You hundred percent? Um, uh, no, I'm two Pokemon <laughs> away from hundred percenting it. But I finished the main story, and I say that because I'm a dumbass, and I built my team awfully. I was I did not take some of some of the later battles in the game into consideration. So, but there's also a, a difficulty spike up the fucking ass in this game. So when you're rounding up the main story. Um, they give you a location to go to called Relgum Tower. And you go to Relgum Tower, you have to fight all four, like, the head admins of, like, this terrorist organization um, for the second time. They're, three of them are kind of pushovers, one of them's kind of an asshole. Um, but you go up, you find a dip ton of more trainers that you don't fucking care about. You stampede through them. They're all in, like, the early 40s. All their levels are, like, early to mid-40s. So pretty much by that point, your team is also going to be, you know, mid-40s, maybe early 50s, but that's probably kind of pushing it. Um, You go in elevator to go up to to do what you think is the final fight, and then it's like, oh, well, before you fight the final boss, you've got to fight four trainers. This is a Coliseum tournament. And you're like, okay, that's annoying. Um, They're all mid to late 40s, super easy, bunch of pushovers. You get to this guy named Nashor, who... Looks like, uh, if you've ever played Kingdom Hearts, uh, Ansem from the first game, the way that Ansem looked in that game, that's exactly what he looks like, just mm. rendered much worse, because it was a 2003 GameCube game. Um, you beat him, he's kind of difficult, he's in like the mid-50s, and you're like, fuck, that's a spike, it's kind of hard, but whatever, he's, he's not too hard, because his team kind of sucks. Um, and then you find out that's not the final boss, and the character, this mayor of, like, the biggest town in the region that you thought was this great dude, turns out he is actually the final boss. He is the leader of this terrorist organization that you've been fighting the whole time. And he's fucking hard. They did not prepare you for that fight at all. Because he is, like, early to mid-60s. There was no warning. There was nothing. And he's a fucking asshole. And I shit you not, I was stuck on that fight for six days. I could not do that for six fucking days. Because I did such a shitty job at building my team. Except for, like, a week ago, I beat it. I beat him for the first time. And I was like, fuck yeah, I fucking did it. I can stop playing this fucking game now. It's taking over my whole life free time. So I, I'm letting the credits roll, and I was like, damn, I'm hungry. I'm going to go make, a to- make some fucking toaster strudels. Because it was like 2 a.m., and I was intoxicated. So I came back. Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm, like, walking to my game room. And I left my door open. I was walking to the game room, and I was like... That's really weird. Why are, are the TV lights 
why, like, why am I not seeing the, the TV lights on, on the wall in my game room? And I walk in, I look at the TV, and there's a message on the TV that says, uh, error disk stopped reading. Oh, no. Oh. I knew something bad was going to happen when you said I beat him for the first time. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, the game does not save until after the credits. And I guess at some point during the credits, while I was making four or five toaster strudels, um, my game stopped reading. So, And then I couldn't get the memento back. I, I, it took me like five more days. But it did finally beat him. I am two Pokemon away from 100%ing this game. Um, I really want to move on to XD because I really want to play that, but I really want to 100% this uh, first. I commend you yeah. for being able to stick with the game for so long because as you just heard Josh say was, hey, Dylan, how's Far Cry? Because that's what's on my list. And then I immediately said, oh, I've played three other games. <laughs> so I can. Oh, no. When I when I when I sit down to play through something, I mean, I, I might take an hour or two here and there. Like I think, oh, fuck, I think Friday night uh, me and Madison played Guitar Hero on the fucking Wii um, for like two hours. So sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll play something else. Like while I'm at work, um, I actually bought a Game Boy Advance just so I could play uh, Leaf Green and Emerald like while I'm at work or while I'm traveling and doing whatever. Awesome. So I've been playing Leaf Green too because I wanted to trade back and forth between Coliseum and Leaf Green. But the game does not fucking tell you that you can't trade with a Game Boy game until in that Game Boy game you have received the National Pokédex, which was like the very last fucking thing you do in every one mm. So, I really appreciate them. That's not a good game, that. though. Oh, Fire Red and Leaf Green, phenomenal Coliseum. It's, it, it's, it's worn me down to the point where I can't wait to 100% this, put the disc back in the case, and not touch it for another 10 years. <laughs> but that's exactly what the fuck is about. Well, uh, I guess it's time to get to the real big event of what we've been playing. And that is the last of us part two or, well, that's what I've been playing. Not that we've been playing it. It's just, oh, I was about to say, you can, yeah, honestly, I was like, haven't even, I don't even own a PlayStation. Bro. <laughs> uh, I will go into some spoilers. Um, and I will put a time code in the description of the podcast. So if you have not played it, you can skip over it and go right to the next section. But I, I won't, I probably won't go into anything too in depth. Uh, cause I don't want this to go on for, for too long. Um, cause I have a, a temptation to ramble <laughs> or not, a, not a temptation, yes, but, uh, uh, you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess. Tendency. Tendency. That's the word, person. not temptation. Yeah. Tendency. Good God. I'm an idiot. Well, it is 11 o'clock. It is 11 o'clock. Okay, so The Last of Us Part 2. In short, this game is not a 10 out of 10, and it is not a 0 or 1 out of 10 either. Uh, I think it probably, if I had to score it, like if I absolutely had to, it's somewhere in the 8 range. Um, How dare you use a number? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. After all the shit we just (laughs) saw... But uh, ju- just as a b- because we were talking specifically about its review scores and stuff like that, that's probably the easiest way to quantify yeah. it. Um, listen, the game's beautiful. Like it's the best looking game on the PS4, I think, hands down. I don't think 
Like the only other ones that are probably in the same breadth as this are uh, coincidentally Uncharted 4 and probably uh, I really think that Horizon Zero Dawn's environments are gorgeous. I don't know like really how well the rest of the game holds up in terms of like its visuals, but the horizon or like the, um, the environments are very good. And, and, but even still the last of us two trumps both of those. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I was, I was also going to mention red dead redemption Two. Uh, that game is absolutely stunning also, but yeah, the last of us part two, I think is probably hands down the best looking game on the system. I also really feel like the, uh, the combat is really nicely um, enhanced from the first game because the first game, the shooting felt really kind of clunky um, and the, the melee felt great. Uh, but even still, like it wasn't on par with what some of the other games at the time were doing. Um, but there are, there are real problems with this game. Um and the biggest one is, uh, and this is really thematic. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, but the game is about violence and like the cycles of violence uh, and really like the weight that violence brings down on people. And the game really wants you to feel like violence is bad and killing people is bad. And that's it is. great and all, but. The problem is you made killing things so much fun to do. Like you can name like they did something really novel and something that I think is really kind of cool in this game where they've named all the NPCs that you will kill throughout the game. And you can conceivably walk around without having killed like a million people like you do as fucking Nathan Drake in Uncharted. But it in, it really, I feel like, almost incentivizes you, especially when you're playing as the second character. It really incentivizes you to just go in with your guns and, and your bows and arrows and just shoot the fuck out of people or or use your Molotovs and, like, <laughs> like it, it just, I don't know, it it kind of cuts against what you're trying to say where, you know, violence isn't fun, but you made the killing part so much fun. Like I, and I don't know if that, like that's their critique of being like, you shouldn't find video game violence fun. I don't, I just don't feel like that's what they're trying to say. Um, so I'm going to start the story spoilers. Now, uh, you, you have been warned, uh, and again, I will put the description of when the next you know topic starts, so then you can skip all this if you don't don't want to hear it. So uh, another thing that really I feel like goes against what this game is trying to say in terms of violence uh, and and all of that is that the game is told out of sequence. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, so you, you have the, the first probably 10 to 15 hours of it told pretty linearly with some flashbacks, uh, sprinkled in here and there to kind of give context Mm -hmm. to like what Ellie is feeling at any given time. But then at about the 10 to 15 hour mark, 
you then take control as the second character, Abby, who I think has a really nice story. Uh, I actually really like Abby as a character. Um, but the problem is, is the Abby story is kind of the exact inverse of what Ellie's is. So in Ellie's, you're going to get this, uh, you're going on this revenge thing and like you go and you're there to kill all of Abby's friends and Abby herself. And so when you're playing as Ellie, you do that. Like you go and you kill, uh, one of Abby's doctor friends and then you'll go and like you kill one of the other people until you kind of like get to the end and you kill Abby's love interest and, and his, uh, his pregnant girlfriend. And the thing about that is, is I have no context for these characters whatsoever. And I don't care that they're dead because the entire time that you have kind of had me going along with this is saying, yeah, don't you feel just like Ellie? You watched Joel die brutally you should feel the same way as her. So yeah, I do feel the same way as her. Joel is a beloved character. Like I really loved him. Uh, and yeah. he's dispatched really early in the game and I want to get the revenge that Ellie wants to get. So when it cuts to Abby and it's like trying to show you that like, Oh look, these people had their lives too. And they're not all that bad. And they had reasons for doing what they wanted to, or what they had to do. I'm like, that's all good and dandy, uh, but I've already killed these people. It doesn't fucking matter that you're trying to show me that they're good now because I know where their story ends up. I know that they're dead. Yeah. Like, you're not making me feel any empathy for these characters who are are already gone. And, and you're not making me feel bad for having killed them because they're already dead. Like, I can't your your whole critique of violence and and all of that is just not working because of the way that you structured the story and i think that i'm going to do a video on this uh about how i think that the game could have actually been two separate games and could have been structured linearly to tell this really incredible story um but like that's that's honestly my biggest gripe with it is like I kill these characters who really for the most part don't get like <sighs> Dina is Abby or is is Ellie's girlfriend and um Jesse is uh Dina's ex-boyfriend Tommy is Joel's brother and all of them have way more to do and I feel way more for them during Abby's time or not Abby, Abby and Ellie sound so similar that I'm getting them mixed up. They're, they're given way more time to grow and for me to care about them in Ellie's, uh, chapters of the story than I am ever given any time to care about. Um, see, I don't even remember their names outside of Owen and Mel. And that's, I think because they're the last ones to die. Like the other people, I don't know. I still, still don't know anything about them like and their deaths like i just don't care because they're not really characters they're there as plot devices and that kills me because what the game is trying to say is like you should feel bad for killing these people you should like because they are people too they have their own lives and and what have you and they're just not well enough built characters and i know what's going to happen to them 
so it takes any sort of like conflict I would feel about their deaths and throws it out the window because they're not well-developed characters and the story is structured weird. Like it just, it does not resonate with me the way that Naughty Dog intended it to. And like that really sucks because the rest of the game is really fucking good. Like, like really fucking good. (laughs) So it, it just sucks that, it's not the masterpiece that the first one was. Um, and I, like, I have some other problems with the game, but I feel like they're kind of like minor. Like, I feel like the, the Seraphites faction that's in the game and the, um, I forget the, the name of the other faction that it's at the very, very end are really touched on the Rattlers. That's what they're called. The Rattlers. They're, they're touched on, but they're not really given enough of like time to shine because the real story here is the story between Ellie and Abby and those, those factions just seem inconsequential. But again, like that's a nitpick because the rest, like the game's good. It's really good. But the whole thematic presence and story that they've got, got there and the way it's structured just does not do its service. And that's really disappointing, but overall, yeah, eight out of 10. (laughs) Not God damn it. <laughs> well, why don't we get into the news uh, and run through these real quick and then we can wrap up so we can all get to bed. I know Dylan's probably like losing his mind right now. I'm just here <laughs> and I'm thinking just, about why you gave just hanging out. name, closing thoughts, final thoughts, and I'm kind of leading Leading myself down a bad path because I feel like you're going to put a lot of pressure on me here. About- oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I promise. <laughs> uh, so the Ubis. That's an, that's like you saying no. It'll be okay, Mister Cow. You've served this family well. Let's go behind the barn and then you shoot it. Yeah, and I'm going to eat it for burgers later. <laughs> See, well, you just take it and make it worse. <laughs> you could have left. <laughs> So the Ubisoft forward thing happened, right? It was the Ubisoft showcase. Oh, I missed that. Did you guys? No, I didn't even know that. I know I I texted you guys about the Far Cry uh, thing. I I saw that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, let's get. Yeah, so um, there are other things there. Like uh, I I mean, we can run through them really quickly because the rest of them I really don't care about. To be honest with you, um. Hyperscape is a new thing. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a uh, battle royale thing. Don't care. Awful. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Recon is adding AI teammates. Again, I don't care. I haven't played a Ghost Recon game that I liked since, I don't know, the original Xbox. So. Mm, I one Whatever. On Are you talking Wildlands? Uh, yeah, Wildlands. Wildlands, or no, 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 no. Sorry, Breakpoint. I was about Breakpoint to say, bro. Are they still and, supporting and, uh, Wildlands? Yeah. Uh, I don't even know which one is the newest one. That's I fair. Like care about Breakpoint is the newest one. It came out, I think, November of last wow. year. But. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, they also had some weird. Um, uh, uh, do you guys remember uh, like PlayStation also yeah. Battle Royale or probably uh, much more well-known Smash Brothers? 
Uh, oh, I've yeah, heard yeah. Um, they're doing a Tom Clancy's Elite Squad thing that kind of looks like a uh, oh, a character uh, thing, and it's got a bunch of their characters from um, you know Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell all the way through like people from a lot of cops with masks on. Yeah, Rainbow Six Siege, like. Uh, but it's it's an iOS game, an Android game, and no one really cares. No, I did like uh, it didn't make it on to my honorable mentions, but the Rainbow Six Vegas games from back in the day. Those oh, yeah, those those were pretty good. Those were pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of Tom Clancy, that's the last thing I ever played from him. I have not played Siege at all. Oh, oh Siege is very good. I like Siege. But the, the thing that got me with Vegas, though, was like it was the story. Does this have a story? Um, no, Siege does not. It's it's strictly multiplayer. Great. Well, I I say it doesn't have a story. It kind of has a roundabout story, but it's not important. The, the, it's the like game, Overwatch. Like the gameplay it's got a story, but you don't really care. It was yeah, bad. exactly, exactly. Ah, uh, I like Terrorist Hunt too. That was fun, but no, Terrorist Hunt's in this one. I could so. do that. Either. Um. Watchdog Legions got a release date of October 29th. Uh, this one looks kind of cool, but I don't yeah. think anyone like plays Watchdogs. The first one sold mm-hmm. kind of well, but the second one didn't sell nearly as well. So right. the first one had a really good premise. Yeah, I, or at least I thought it did. Yeah, no, for sure. It just had like an insufferable main character. <laughs> Yeah, didn't care for him. I liked a lot of the aspects that they tried to implement, though. But, like, I just fell off by the end of the game. I was like, eh, whatever. And then I never even looked at the second one. Yeah, the the second one's actually a lot better than the first one. But, uh, like, at that point, I I don't think anyone really bought it. So I don't know why they're making a third one. But, I don't know. This one looks kind of cool. It could be uh, nice. Um and uh, I think that they're going to have a uh, an option where, like, if you buy it on PS4 and uh, Xbox One, that you'll be able to upgrade. So games are doing that, thankfully. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. The, I'm really appreciating. That. They're probably definitely going to. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to do that with Cyberpunk. They're probably going to do that with Valhalla, the Assassin's Creed. Which They've I know, confirmed that they're going to do it with Valhalla. Okay, I know that that's a thing that you're probably really excited about, Dylan. I, I'm very excited for it. That part of history is one of my favorite parts of history. I love that whole – first off, I think I might have just changed my whole pick of the week, as a matter of fact, since we're talking about Vikings and stuff. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. it's No, Valhalla is something I'm very much looking forward to. Assassin's Creed – on the test run podcast before we had to re-record was actually my number two franchise. I took it off because it was the first game and the first game spawned my whole love for it. But I it I can speak for so long about that franchise because I know a lot of people hate it. It became mundane and then mm-hmm. they finally did switch it up. They were like, oh my God, it's too much like The Witcher. Now I hate it. It's like, well, shut the fuck. You asked for a change, and then they gave the best change possible, and now it's like everyone hates this now. So you can't please some people. Um, but Valhalla looks like they're finally perfecting the craft of this new system they have going on, and it looks so good. Oh, yeah. It looks, the, the, the cinematic trailer 
was fucking amazing. I am I, very excited. I haven't liked an Assassin's Creed since probably uh, Brotherhood. No job. And the the last one that I played was four, but I didn't play enough of four to really give it a chance, I think. Wait. So you didn't play Origins? No, I haven't played Origins or Odyssey. Um I've, wow, I would be greatly curious to hear your opinions on, but the game has changed substantially since those days. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, I hate Oh, <laughs> great. Well, Let's I, change the topic. I'll, uh, get my feelings hurt again. I'll maybe, I'll maybe give them a shot because I did pick them up during the uh, the Xbox Summer Sale because um, uh, okay. Kayla's little brother wanted to play them, but um. Uh, they're they're not high on my priority list. Uh, there's a ton of other stuff that I I've got to get to, but I, I definitely I want to try them again because everyone keeps saying Assassin's Creed has gotten good again. Assassin's Creed has gotten good again. So it's it still keeps a lot of the same formula that I had in years prior. Oh yeah, it takes the gameplay itself and completely turns it on top of its head. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to hate it because it's like five times bigger than it ever was before too. The maps are huge. You can do <laughs> stuff. Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, you're hilarious. See, the last the last Assassin's Creed, I, I played all of them. Well, actually, yeah, I played all of them. Um, pretty much all the way through, except for Odyssey. I didn't finish Odyssey because I hated it that bad. Um... But the last one I actually really enjoyed was three. Three was good. Four was my favorite. I, I no, okay, I'll give it that. I did like I did like four a lot. Uh, I like Pirates. I thought it was a cool concept. Yeah, it was fantastic. I know, but I'm, I'm, I I want to know what you think, Josh. That's crazy. I thought you have played those two, so. I'm actually yeah. I'm curious to that too. I'm surprised that you haven't. Yeah, I'll I'll give them a shot for sure. Uh, the, the big thing though, with this was definitely the announcement of Far Cry 6 with, uh, Giancarlo Esposito being the villain. Oh my God. I cannot tell you guys how excited I am. That trailer walked you through us just a brief cinematic masterpiece. Oh yeah. Set you up for, I don't even know what it set you up for. Like just that. Oh man. If you've not seen the trailer, you have to watch it. Yes. Even if you've never played a Far Cry game before, it will make you want to follow the story of this one, bare minimum. Um, my pick of the week initially was going to be Breaking Bad, and it's just something that uh, girlfriend and I are rewatching right now. And it's a fantastic show that I think everyone should at least give a shot. Um, but Giancarlo Esposito, was he's one of the main characters eventually in that show. And he does such a phenomenal job. But just from watching this trailer, you get another sense of just this. This He just has this knack for just channeling some kind of calm monstrosity mm-hmm. deep within his character. And he just drives that in this trailer and how he's talking to his son. And he's setting his oh and the, oh Josh talk talk please get me off this pedestal I'm on do, do, no he like he has this really great ability to to have like it slowly bubbling underneath the surface uh, I, I he was kind of the same way in the Mandalorian like he was just quietly and calmly evil and I, I don't know he's a really great actor and I'm super happy to have him as the main villain. 
it's going to be a different. I feel like this is you in in I don't want to say this. I kind of root for him as the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Like even though he's mm-hmm. a terrible person, he's just the bad guy you want to win. Like he you, he's a charismatic character. You and when he's in when he's speaking in the trailer for a brief second mm-hmm. you get that look into the eye of a dictator and what he said kind of resonates. It's like you kind of feel and understand what he is saying. Because the ah, I mean, he specifically says it like you hold the country tight and you keep it firmly grasped because if you let go, you'll ex- it'll explode on itself. And I think that's just just following the story it did through the trailer. You get such a good look into what is coming. Did, is there a release date for this? There's not, right? Uh, no. Uh, well, I've I'm. Fairly positive that it's going to launch sometime early next year, but I don't think they gave an exact date okay. on it. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say we'll get a look into what's coming next year, but I actually I have no I don't I didn't think it was going to release this year for sure. But maybe yeah. I mean, who knows? But no, it just looked so good. What did you like from the trailer aside from his main performance? Because, I mean, his performance sealed the deal for me. But what I mean, what what drew you in? Uh, the fact that it's another Far Cry game. <laughs> okay. I, I love that series. So uh, I think the kind of um, like I don't want to call it Cuba because it's uh, like an it's not really Cuba, but the um, the analog for for Cuba. I'm really excited to go back to a sort of tropical place. Uh, that's my favorite setting. Like I liked Tibet or Kirak. Sorry, like the analog for Tibet in um in Far Cry 4 and I I like the idea of Montana in Far Cry 5 but something about that tropical setting in f- 3 specifically just really like got me and I don't, I don't know I'm excited to go back to there that's I hope oh, yeah. we follow you there like I bought 3 4 and 5 because they were just on sale I'm assuming because of the announcement, they want people to get hyped to get into the story if they're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I dabbled. I've never beaten a game from start to finish. So that's what I'm trying to do. Like I said, I got distracted. But Far Cry 3, from what I've seen so far, it's going to be an enticing game. I like the gameplay. I like the mechanics so far. I love the skill tree that I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. I love that your tattoo gets expanded based on what you do. That's pretty cool. Um. It just looks like a good franchise, and then whenever this game comes out, hopefully I can get these three knocked out, and then just jump immediately into this. But it looks so good, and the setting—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the same, but it's different. Like you said, I mean, Far Cry Three had Tropic, Far Cry Four kind of had that. I mean, would you say Tropic is it like is rainforest? Tropic? I, like, I don't really. I, I would I would call it more like uh to yeah. like mountainous, right. yeah. So there's that, and then like Montana, whatever, that's fine. But like this looks like something different Mm -hmm. that still kind of holds form of what it has known before. I don't know. Did you play any of the games, Austin? Um, I played, I played three and five. I I I I had never played a Far Cry game before five came out, and the story behind five, like watching the trailers, um, the whole like cult. The 
whole like suicide terrorist cult kind of thing really fucking grasped me because I've I've always been really into those kind of stories. Um, ah, fuck, there's one off the top of my head. The the the, the name I can't remember. Yeah, the dude, the fucking the poison Kool Aid or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That like, what was it, Heaven's Gate or something? Yeah, yeah, Heaven's Gate sounds like, like that's always just really intrigued me uh, as a person. I don't know if that's fucked up. Not saying I want to fucking join a cult, kill myself. Um, well, I mean, not to join the cult part. I don't want to do that. But, oh, um, <laughs> a little bit of dark humor for your night, I guess. That um, it just keeps going. The <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst thing that's been said in this podcast, and it's definitely not going to be the worst. I don't. Over. Most of this podcast, to be quite honest with you, I'm um, running on fumes. But uh, auto autopilot. That's the it, 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 it's a very intriguing concept, and so I kind of I got into it. Um, I didn't finish it. I regret not finishing it. Want to. But way too many other games on my list right now for me to sit down and try to refinish it. Maybe one day. I'll get six. I'll, I'll no doubt by it. I don't even fucking know what number it's on, dude. Whatever the next one is. I'll probably. Uh, yeah, six. okay, six. I'll, I'll buy it eventually. Probably, I say that, I'll probably buy it at launch and then not touch it for like six months. Because that's kind of. That's mm. been my known thing for way too long now. Um. But it looks really good. It does. Like, if a game can steal me away with a cinematic trailer, I mean, that's something. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so speaking of Ubisoft, uh, have you guys seen... Well, let, I'll just I'll just I lay it out for you. Several of their top executives uh, have been let go due to sexual improprieties. I did see that. Um this has been kind of an ongoing thing for the past couple of weeks with a lot of people coming out uh, and, you know, um, making accusations against, you know, sexual impropriety. Uh, there were some in like the Destiny community. There was some in the fighting game community with like Evo and and specifically Smash Brothers. Um, I can't say I'm and, surprised. Yeah, like I'm I'm really glad that people are deciding to come forward. But um Serge Hascott, who was the chief chief created officer oh my god, I can't speak. Chief creative officer, um, was uh let go. Giannis Mallet, the um head of Ubisoft's Canadian studios, was let go, and uh Cecile Cornet who was the global head of uh, HR for Ubisoft was also let go. And um, yeah, so some really, really high level people were let go. And uh, well, the shitty thing is that's just what we know about. And yeah, yeah. Not even from, you know, Ubisoft, it's from literally the entire gaming community, whether it be the people that make the games or the people that stream the games, there's always something there and it's fucking Mm -hmm. sickening. Um, especially, yeah, I don't agree in a hundred percent accuracy what happened with the whole League of Legends thing this past year or two, but for the riot, um, I think the ri- uh, the riot walkout or yeah, something like that it was bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's too much stuff like that going on, and it's like, mm-hmm. what? Ah, I th- I just hope more people keep speaking up because no one should be able to get away with stuff like that. Agreed. I agree. Agreed. I. Uh, 
the uh, the the troubling thing for me though, well maybe not troubling, is um so Eves Gilmont is the CEO of Ubisoft. Uh, he created the company back in I want to say the early nineties with his brother. I think he's still the head of CEO or the, he's still the CEO. And Serge Hascott was basically his right hand man. So like, and no one's saying that Eves Gilmont was like doing any of this stuff, but you know, at a certain point, what was, what's the old, uh, saying the buck stops here or whatever Ooh. the Harry Truman quote, yeah. like, like he's the CEO and, and maybe, you know, maybe Cecile Cornette was like, you know, she was the head of HR. So maybe she was like not doing her job properly and it never got up higher than her. But at the same time, like, I don't really know that Eves Gilmont should still be in, in charge of the company when I don't know, his right hand man was, you know, doing really awful shit. And it's hard to believe and, that he didn't know, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no way for us to know. And like that, that really fucking sucks, especially for anyone who's come forward. Right. But it's just, <clears throat> again, I feel like he's the head of the company. He, I don't, I, I, I think mean. he in, in my head, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no way that that somebody that close to him was getting away with something like that for so long, and he, he's just blissfully ignorant, you know, like yeah. there, there, it's just that's just not a thing. Especially because you know someone said something, and like you said, it's like was it said and only it made it to HR. But you got to think, even if HR knows, like the head of the company is going to know, like exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. You, I feel like I like it, I, not speaking for the man, but it just seems really, really suspicious that yeah that was allowed to go on and. I'm sure multiple people spoke up, but their voices went unheard. And I'm sure there's still people speaking up and their voices are going unheard. But maybe. And that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, some of the some of the allegations, too, are like they're not even just like sexual harassment and stuff like that. Like some of them have been like just straight up rape. Yeah. Like that's disgusting. And and like that's uh, I don't know. man. I. Seriously, my heart goes out to like anyone who was affected by that bullshit. And like, I'm really glad that people are coming out. And I'm really glad that the people who were, you know, performing the awful, awful acts and misconduct are out of the company. Um, hopefully, hopefully it goes I mean, further and something, yeah, something good comes out of it. Yeah, hopefully something good comes out of it. People in positions like that, they tend to whether whether they lose their job, um, people are like, oh well, you know, they lost their job. They're taking they're taking a big hit. Like, no, they need a little bit bigger of a hit than that. They they need some cuffs left on those wrists, chief. Mm-hmm. Um, and people and people like to throw out. They're like, oh well, you know, all it takes is one person to to make a make a bullshit uh, uh, accusation that other people follow. I'm like, well. For one, I think you're looking at that in a, in a really shitty way. Um, 
the more people come forward about stuff like that, the more courage other people who have been dealing with the same thing have to come forward with something like that. <laughs> so for, for you to just disregard it completely, um, as we said about multiple kinds of people in this podcast, that makes you an asshole. So, yeah, agreed. And, and it's a sad thing. It's it's a fucked up scenario, and I hope I hope the victims of that controversy receive uh, justice of some kind at some point. Whether whether it's now or ten years from now, I I, I genuinely hope these people get the justice that they deserve. Uh, let's move on to some other awful news, or at least awful news for weebs like me. Um. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Danganronpa series of games, but they're uh, a series of like visual novels that um, they really had their home on the Vita, but they've made their way to the PS4. Um, They're really weird games about uh, these kids who are trapped inside of a school with like a fucking psychopathic teddy bear named Monokuma. And uh, they're really, really fun. They, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe them. They're just super weird and yeah. I love them. But, um, so, th- uh, several of these games are being pulled from the PlayStation store. It starts. The earliest one is, uh, August 31st, uh, going all the way up through the 25th of September. Um, they're being pulled from the digital store. You'll probably still be able to buy them physically, but if you want to buy them digitally, you should definitely, uh, take care of that before they're gone and i don't really know why exactly they're doing this uh but i heard some speculation that it might be that spike chunsoft who is the developer of the series is actually taking the publishing rights away from nis america and is going to be republishing them them themselves which means that they might go back up on the storefront but there's a chance that they won't so if you're interested in all in those. You should definitely pick them up before they're gone. Uh, and then the last one or the last two, really, uh, we should roll them up into, um, into one. Uh, the PS five production is supposedly ramping up and, um, Sony is expecting, uh, that there is a higher demand than what they thought. And are trying to get uh, nine to ten million units ready by launch. That's really good. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, I also found out yesterday actually that they're um, they're limiting pre-orders uh, to one per household, uh, and that's per like um, per website. So there are ways to circumvent it. Obviously, like if you go to GameStop and Amazon and Walmart and Target, you can probably get like four PS4s, but Per website, they're limiting it to one per household. That's awesome. Which is really cool. So everyone can get their hands on one. Um, but yeah, so the reason that I wanted to tie this together with the other is because Microsoft's big thing is happening on Thursday, right? Yes. Their games oh, reveal. God, I'm so and I'm expecting them to announce the price of their machine, which means that we'll probably in be in about the ballpark figure of what the PS five will cost. And we'll also have a release date finally for one of these consoles. Um, so I'm, 
pretty excited about all oh, that. Yeah. Uh, I'm especially excited that Sony is ramping up production to try to get as many of these out and in the wild as possible by we assume November. Um, and I'm excited to see all of the games that Microsoft is set to launch with because what it looks like to me is the PS five is going to have a pretty strong lineup of games. And I really want to see halo and know what it's all about. And I really want to see what all of these studios that they bought have been working on for Microsoft just to see what they've got coming out of the gate for this console. Oh yeah, absolutely. Dude. I'm, I'm a big halo fanatic. Um, that's my all time favorite first person shooter franchise. And that Kalos too. That that's why I literally took a vacation day for Thursday. I'm going to be up at eight fucking AM ready to fucking go to watch that presentation. Um I don't care if it's you know, I, I don't care if it's fifteen minutes long, I don't care if it's four hours long. Um that's considering Nintendo oh my god. Did you guys watch the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase that they did yesterday? Uh no. Very disappointing. It wasn't even ten minutes long. It was eight minutes. Um, they they learned from the Pokemon controversy that they had a couple weeks ago, and they let everybody know beforehand. Hey, this is a partner showcase. That means these are third party developers. These are not first party Nintendo. We will not be talking about first party Nintendo titles. And every title that you guys are going to see, you you know about. These are announced titles. It's nothing new. We're just giving more detailed information so people couldn't get their hopes up. And they. Yeah, I'm uh, I am eager to see whether or not this is going to be all uh, first party uh, content that they're going to show or if it's going to be a mix of first and third party. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a mix because that's usually like. This, the, well, the reason I say being that honest, is this is their, their, their last one that they had was all third party. So we we've seen third party games yeah. already on the on the Xbox One. Yeah, that's also true. So maybe it'll be maybe it'll be something drastically new. So you're right about that. I didn't think about that. But yeah, we'll see, man. I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I I really want to fucking see Halo. I really want to see what they're doing. Honestly, yeah. But that's kind of it for me. I'm, I'm they could, and then with the with the Nintendo Direct, um, they announced a remake of uh, Shin Megami Tensei Three. Oh, nice. Switch. Okay, that's really cool. That's really cool. And they finally gave us um, a, a little, not too much more, but a little more information on Shin Megami Tensei Five, which was announced when the Switch came out. Oh. So that's neat. Um, I've seen things floating around here and there that. Bayonetta 3 uh, may have had its release date leaked. Ooh, that's um, you exciting. Can, you can pre-order it from Walmart. And when you go to pre-order it from, you know, most, most every game that's up for pre-order that doesn't have a specified release date, they have a placeholder of 12, 31, whatever yeah. the year is. Mm-hmm. Well, Bayonetta 3 does not. It says if you pre-order it, it'll be delivered January 6th. Oh, okay. So they probably have a, a so, pretty solid idea of when it's coming out. Exactly. So that might mean January 5th or 6th might be the release date. And Nice. Uh, Dylan, did you have any thoughts on the PS5 production or the Xbox One showcase? Halo. I mean, that's 
that's been it for me for a long mm. time for Microsoft because I mean their first party games really aren't that many in terms of what they have like we were talking about a little earlier they they acquired a lot of great studios over these past couple of years and they are heavy hitting studios mm-hmm. that if they come out of the gate with some good first party titles Microsoft could really shape this generation the way that Sony did this generation so with microsoft coming in the new one oh absolutely. yeah but the one leading that party is going to be halo that's the one everyone is excited to see we're excited to see how the story continues in a world that is going to be very different than what we are accustomed to with halo and master chief so super excited for that um and it's only a matter of days before we get some rock solid information on what's coming agreed yeah um, i'm super excited um, well, that's it for our quick little news segment. Let's get the pick of the week stuff done and get out of here. Um, pick of the week, uh, just for anyone who's listening, will be uh, our recommendation for something for you to check out. Um, this episode, since we're bi weekly, it doesn't make sense for pick of the week, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll go first. Um, so I'm not too sure how familiar you guys are with the YouTuber iDubs, but he is a, uh, a guy who has been doing stuff since the, I, I don't know, forever ago. Um, and a lot of his stuff was really kind of cringy and like, um, really edgy humor and, and stuff like that. And, uh, a lot of that, a lot of his old stuff, I don't feel like holds up as much, but, um, he got really famous on YouTube at least for doing, uh, these videos called content cops where he would take a channel like Keemstar or some other YouTube channel. And he just would tear into them for being awful people. And, He's recently kind of gone into like a different direction and does like a whole bunch of stuff. But last year, almost almost a, a year from now, I think it was uh, in uh, early August, maybe mid-August, he released this 52, 53-minute documentary called Full Force. And basically what it is is he, he went to, uh, I believe it was Battle Creek, Michigan, and went and made this sort of like semi-documentary on this other YouTuber called, um, oh, what is, what is his name? Airsoft Fatty. That's what it was. And it's this really, really big kid um, who he makes videos. I mean, l- literally everything. Um, he makes like cooking videos where he – it's really funny in the documentary like you you see him doing a a, a quote-unquote cooking with fatty where he'll make a meal and the meal was he took a tv dinner heated it up in the microwave while he made some ramen and then he threw the microwave tv dinner contents in (laughs) in the fucking ramen (laughs) and was like here you go this is this is a, a like a full course meal or some shit like that and that made me laugh but like uh the thing that Airsoft Fatty is really known for um, and kind of got his like 
fame, so to speak, on YouTube is for these really, really bad renditions of um, lightsaber duels where he and his friends would just go out in their backyard and just fight each other with these toy lightsabers. And the documentary kind of has some moments of like, like it almost, it almost feels mean spirited. It almost feels like iDubbbz is making fun of this guy. But at the end of the day, it's really not. It's just that really what it is, is this guy is being himself and he is doing what he wants to do. And he is, he's making a living off of it, man. He, the, the airsoft fatty guy has a, uh, has a Patreon and he's like, he, like he has a following. I think he has, um, almost 200,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. Like he's managed to take what a lot of people would call cringe and, and, make a living for himself. And, you know, like I said, it kind of feels mean spirited in some spots because it is something that like a lot of people would make fun of. And that kind of sucks. But when you're watching it, like he does this really nice kind of wrap up at the end where he, he kind of explains it like, you know, a lot of people would call this cringe and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he's like a lot of people would call this cringe, but what really is cringe? And, uh, like if cringe is what Arisaw fatty is doing, then like he is cringe and I'm okay with that. And, you know, everyone should be cringe because it means that you're doing something that you love. And like, even though, there are tinges of like this really kind of wicked sense of humor in there. It has this beating heart that really I was not expecting from a fucking iDubs video. Hell yeah. And I just, I really think that it's worth a watch if you get a chance. Like I said, it's like 52, 53 minutes and it really just kind of takes a look at this YouTuber's life who you may have never heard of, honestly, but it's him doing something that he loves. And I don't know it. That to me was something that spoke to me and it really like warmed my heart and it's really good. Boom. Who's next? Um, yeah, Austin, L- let's go with you. So, well, what, what should I recommend? Um, well, I'm going to go. Usually when we do this, I'm probably going to talk about anime because that's kind of the only other uh, interesting character quality about me besides video games. <laughs> um, that God, that's so sad to say. Um, but Fire Force, Fire Force is really good. I was very shocked. I because I, I, I felt like it was going to be really fucking stupid. Because I was like, okay, it's these, it's a bunch of kids that firefighters fighting fire demons that can also control fire like the whole plot itself was very okay but this doesn't make any fucking sense um but it's not that at all it's a very deep complex thing um there's a lot of edgy moments if you're if you're into that um it's there it's there for you if that's your fucking cup of tea i guess very cool very cool all right dylan why don't you send us home Take me home. Send us home. My pick of the week <laughs> coincide with Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. And Ooh. It is a 
fantastic show uh, set way back when, when it was the Anglo-Saxons versus the Vikings, when mm-hmm. the last kingdom to be defended was Wessex. And this was back when England was divided into seven kingdoms, I believe. And it follows the story of a boy who is essentially taken from his Anglo-Saxon roots, implanted into the Danes through events that happen. I'm not going to spoil anything in this because I think it's definitely worth the watch. And then eventually having to choose between... What side of the family, what side of history he falls on? Is it the Anglo-Saxons where he was born? Or is it the Viking Danes that he was raised with? And it is a truly, truly fascinating story that lasts, I believe, four seasons. And it's a gripping tell from start to end. And I think everyone should give it a shot, especially if you're looking forward to Valhalla like I am, because it will get you pumped up. Awesome, awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, that was our show. We thank everyone for listening uh, who decided that it was a good idea to listen. Uh, I just mixed a whole bunch of words there because I'm very tired. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all need to go to bed, too. Uh, We're all shot at this point. Yeah, to get those, to to go do Look, those fishes. My pick of the week was <laughs> for people to go outside and go fishing, but I decided not to go that route. Oh, my God. Yeah, God forbid someone go outside. Well, um, yeah, so uh, be sure to um, review us. Five-star reviews would be great. Um, and also... Seriously, I uh, made a call in the last episode to, like, if you know anyone who would be interested in this, uh, text them, send them a link, be like, hey, you should really check this out. Uh, it would really go a long way because, uh, you know, sharing on social media doesn't mean much anymore. Um, and feedback. And, and feedback, man. Like, any sort of feedback would be wonderful. So, uh Yeah, so for Dylan Martin and Mr. Austin Stevens, I am the host, Josh McMullen. We will see you next time.